Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Nope, starting in 4. <laughs> Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. That is a statement of fact. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. He's in this place. If you're a believer, he's in you. And yet we struggle to believe that. We're unbelieving believers sometimes, aren't we? Can we can you admit that? Can we be honest in church? We struggle with faith. We struggle with faith. We struggle to trust that God is so near he's even in us. We struggle to believe that. You have a muscle organ inside of you called a heart that beats about every second to keep you alive. But you don't see it. You don't hear it. In fact, most of the time, you're not even aware of it unless you put your fingers to your wrist or your neck, and then you go, oh, there's, there's something going on in there. But it's in there. The Holy Spirit of the living God is that real. He's in you. And we struggle with faith when we're not aware of his presence. That's when we struggle with faith. And so when we talk about God really showed up today, we want to be in God's presence Sometimes theologically, you can think to yourself, what does that mean? Because it's like, I thought God was everywhere, right? You ever thought that before? What do they mean God really should? I thought he's everywhere all the time. When we say we want to be in God's presence, we really are talking about God's manifest presence. When God manifests himself, and it's not that he wasn't there and then he manifested himself and he was there. It's that he makes He does something that makes us more aware of his presence. Kind of like if you were to sprint some laps up and down this aisle and then you feel your heartbeat. You're like, oh, that that thing's in there. (laughs) It was there. But something happened that made you aware. It's the manifest presence of God. And I want to talk to you today about a spiritual habit that helps us enter into his manifest presence. And so it's a habit that helps keep us close to his heart. I want to keep reading verse 6. So the Lord is near. I mean, that's a fact. Romans 10 says the word is near you. You don't have to ascend into heaven. You don't have to descend into hell. It's very near you. It's as near as this. A statement of faith, I believe. That's how near salvation is to you. That's how near any need you have is today. You can have a seat. I can see some of you are getting shifty. You can keep standing if you want to. The Lord is near. Statement of fact. He's as near as your heart. Anything you need in life is as near as a word you say and a prayer you ask. So therefore, the word of God says, the Lord is near. Can you keep the pad? Just keep it going till I'm, till I'm done here. Don't worry about anything. Because the Lord is near. These ideas are connected. Because the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything... Through prayer and petition. So with an awareness that God is near. With an awareness God is near. Don't worry. Why? Because the Lord is near. But in everything. Through prayer and petition. 
with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. That word thanksgiving there is the Greek word eucharisteo. And the Lord told me that's my word for this year. Any of you ever do that word of the year thing? It's become popular in the last decade or two. It's like, pray and the Lord will give you a word for the year. And I used to do that. And then I kind of got to be a jaded, cynical, grizzled veteran Christian, you know. And I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. That's dumb. (laughs) And two years ago, I I wasn't doing it for a few years. And two years ago, the Lord said, I was driving down the road and I was thinking, that's kind of, I was literally thinking about, it's kind of dumb how we always like do a word for this year. I don't have I'm not a part of your system. Stick it to the man. I'm not doing a word this year. I was literally thinking about that driving down the road. And the Holy Spirit said, um, your word for this year <laughs> is starting over. Now, this was a few years ago. Then the next year, same thing. I was like, I don't think I'm going to do that whole word. Of the-. I wasn't even seeking it. He said, your word for this year is forward. You're moving forward. Like, okay. And a couple weeks ago, wasn't even seeking it. I was hearing a sermon on Thanksgiving after Thanksgiving. Isn't that ironic? That was a joke. And the Lord said, this is your word for for this year, for this coming year, Thanksgiving. And then he said this, I want you to give me thanks for everything that comes into your life this year. And I thought, uh oh. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> oh boy. Because I knew 1 Thessalonians 5 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, good or bad. And I, I, I wondered, I don't know if I don't I don't know if the Lord was saying it this way or if I was receiving it this way, but it almost I took it as brace yourself. <laughs> brace yourself to give me thanks for everything that happens in your life this year. Like, okay. And then he said, Preach Eucharisteo. That's your sermon for the first Sunday of the year. Preach Eucharisteo. And I knew what he meant because Eucharisteo was a little two week message series I did the very first year of our church and it it, there's just some messages that stay with you and I heard a lot of people talk about that message series for several years it just it just marked us I think it marked me I remembered so much of it and he said preach that go back and look at that and preach that I said okay and so Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Eucharisteo, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You can have your Bible back. (laughs) I wasn't planning on using that scripture today, but the Lord was highlighting it um, as she was sharing. And as Ruth was sharing, I was thinking about, let this be an upper room. That's, ah, this is the season we're entering into. And the Lord said, so make it one. (laughs) I was like, Lord, let this be an upper room. He's like, make it one. That's your choice to make it one. It will be one if you make it one. And so church, I'm inviting you to join us uh, to make our house an upper room. And I mean, I think I mean permanently, but especially this month. It's New Year. We're talking about new habits. You're probably thinking about maybe some new habits. You're at least convicted that you should be thinking about some new habits. You felt that little like, I am a lazy slob. I've been eating way too much goodness over the holidays, and I need a reset. All right. I know that's at least been in there somewhere. And so we're thinking about that in this season. I know I am. And we, every year that we've been a church since before we started, 
the, even before we started in our preparation year, uh, we took 21 days to fast and pray and seek the Lord's face at the beginning of that year. And we've done it every year since. And we're, we're going to do that this year. And so um, we're going to start corporately. You can start whenever you want, but we're going to start corporately next Sunday. So January 15th through February 4th, we're going to fast and pray as a church. Um, if you've never done that before, fasting is a spiritual discipline where you go without some kind of food. And in our culture today, I would su- highly suggest also some type of media, uh, social, TV, movies, or all of the above if you really want to go after God. Um, and read the Bible every day. Get on a reading plan. I highly suggest Nicky Gumbel's Bible in one year. It's my favorite one. I'm doing it for the third time this year. And he's been updating it. And it's just phenomenal. It's Old Testament, New Testament, and a Psalm or Proverb every day. And then you have this a devotion that he writes. He's a pastor in uh, the UK. And he somehow weaves that all together. And man, if you are new to God, new to faith, or really been with God forever... This is a phenomenal devotion, but especially if you're new, you'll read through the whole Bible in a year, and it's like when you read his devotion every day, it's like having a pastor sit there with you and explain everything every day. It's just phenomenal, and so I highly suggest that one, but you can do whatever you want, but read the Bible every day, and I'm going to ask you to pray every day. Seek the Lord's face, and this is a special season, but what I've noticed every year is I come out of this season with some new habits. I really have every year. It's even changed my health habits every year, um, my schedule habits to be more in line with seeking the kingdom first, um, health habits that are more in line with wisdom, and of course, prayer habits, Bible habits that stick with you. Um, and so I want to invite you into that. Um, and so we'll be talking more about that next week as we get started. Three weeks of that, pretty intensely seeking the Lord. Um, and we're going to have some prayer challenges we'll be talking about that we're going to invite you into. Praying every single day for extended periods of time. And it's three weeks. And I want to challenge you to do that. Take it seriously and, and go for God. And of course, we have our Wednesday house of prayers. Uh, which that the building's open all day starting at 5 a.m. to about 6 p.m. Uh, on Wednesdays for prayer and we have three gatherings 5 a.m. noon and 5 p.m. where it's kind of we intentionally corporate prayer times in this room and it's really really awesome they're very Holy Spirit filled um, and it's it's just incredible and so I know some of you go to work early but man 5 a.m.'s real early and maybe you could come in and and get an hour of prayer in before you go to work just for these three weeks you know and then you might find that Maybe the Holy Spirit's like, you know, you could do that all the time now. and uh, But just try it. Just try it. Just try it um, for three weeks and join with us in prayer. We're going to seek God's face. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I go through, I, I, I need about two or three course corrections every year where little, um, it's like getting the alignment adjusted on your car. And that's what, you know, seasons of prayer and fasting do, where it's like, you know what, for the next week, I'm really going to fast and pray. And it's just kind of getting back uh, into alignment with what God's doing. And so this is an intentional time. really excited about it. And uh, we're going to make our church an upper room. And we're going to develop a habit. And I really feel like the habit the Lord wants us to develop this year is Thanksgiving, Eucharisteo. And um, we were talking in our staff meeting about that. And I realized that the word God's given me for this year, it really, it was confirmed in that meeting. It really is a word for our church this year. That God wants to make us people of thanksgiving. A people of Eucharisteo. Um, I have an app on my phone. It's called the Blue Letter Bible app where you can look up any verse in Greek or Hebrew. And, uh, and see it word for word, click a hyperlink, and it tells you what the original Greek or Hebrew means. That's an awesome Bible study tool, by the way. You don't have to go to Bible college and study Greek or Hebrew now. You can just download the app and look it up yourself. It tells you how to pronounce it. It's phenomenal. And um, if you click on a word in the Greek, the Strong's Concordance, it'll tell you every other place in Scripture that that word is used. 
And man, let me tell you, Jesus was really fond of the word Eucharisteo. You know, before the miracle of the 5,000, it said he took the bread and he looked up to heaven and he, he Eucharisteoed. He gave thanks. And then he broke it. Before the miracle of feeding the 4,000, Jesus Eucharisteoed. He gave thanks. When they were in the upper room, eating the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, communion, says Jesus took the bread and he, Eucharisteoed, he gave thanks. He took the cup, the the blood, he, Eucharisteoed, he gave thanks. There's a little story after his resurrection. (laughs) Two disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus and Jesus comes up. And he's incognito. And for somehow they don't recognize him, right? And he's talking like, oh, what are you talking about? Oh, you're talking about me. Oh, that's interesting. And he starts talking about him with them, but they don't realize it's him. It'd be like if you were walking around talking about the Bengals playoff schedule, you know, and the head coach came up and started, started talking about it. And you're like, oh, yeah, how's this guy know so much? This is amazing. <laughs> that's what happened. And they get to where they're going and... They ask him to stay, and he's like, all right. And they still don't know it's him, and they sit down to eat a meal. And it says he took bread, and he Eucharisteoed. He gave thanks, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Jesus' life was so marked by gratitude that people recognized who he was by how he gave thanks to God the Father. And so we talk about as Christians, we want to be like Jesus. That's our whole goal. That's, that's what we're made to be like. That's what we're made to do. And so if Jesus was someone who was always, he had a Eucharisteo habit. A Eucharisteo habit. A thanksgiving habit. And if that's a habit Jesus had, I think that's a habit He wants us to have. Jesus was recognized. His presence was recognized when he gave thanks. And one of the biggest reasons that he wants you and I to give thanks to Eucharisteo is because we will recognize his presence when we give thanks. Can I give you a little example of what I'm talking about? If you, if you reach in the pocket of the seat in front of you, people in the front row, you have to do this by faith. <laughs> Actually, it's under your seat, I believe. Lord, let there be something under your seat. Okay. It didn't just happen. It was already there. There's a little, it's a chocolate. There's a dove chocolate. And just open that up, and we're going we're gonna to eat this together in a minute. But I ask that you don't chew it. We're going to savor the flavor. Look at your neighbor and tell them, savor the flavor. You can read the message on yours, but it is not prophetic, all right? Unless it's good and aligns with Scripture, then it is prophetic. Okay, all right. <laughs> So that was a joke. Anyways. <laughs> so go ahead and I'm going to savor the flavor. And I just want you to put this in your mouth. If you, if you like chocolate. If you don't like chocolate, you don't have to participate. If you don't like chocolate, this is dark chocolate, by the way. Can we just get an amen? Isn't dark chocolate better? Okay. Thank you. People who said no, you're allowed to be wrong. It's all right. So go ahead and put that in and just just suck on it while I'm talking. I'm going to put mine in. I'm going to try to suck on mine a little bit, but, you know, I got to keep talking. We're going to savor the flavor. Mm. Mm. I'm actually hungry, so that's actually really good. Notice we're starting fasting next week. 
Mm. If you're someone who likes to make noises to show your appreciation, feel free. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing right now, but I am worshiping the Lord. <laughs> because every good and perfect gift is from the Father. I'm serious. It says he's given us all things for our enjoyment. Can we just pause right now? And I'm dead serious. And yes, I plan this, but I'm not playing around. I want to thank God right now. Can we just pray right now? God, Jesus. The scripture says all things were made through you, Jesus, the word. So, Jesus, I just thank you for chocolate. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you that you've given us all things for our enjoyment. Thank you that when you created us, you thought in advance about things that would just make us happy and bring us joy. And you're like, you know what, I'm just going to do that just just because it's cool. <laughs> just because it'll make them happy. Just it'll, it'll just bring them joy. And so, Lord, I thank you for chocolate. But now that I think about it, I thank you for making the cocoa bean. <laughs> because when you made everything, you realized that you could make this plant that would have a bean that we could use that we could get powder from that we could eventually combine with some other things to make chocolate and speaking of those other things God I just want to thank you right now for cows and their their milky goodness I mean you you marked your promised land with the name it's flowing with milk and honey so thank you for cows we get butter and cream that goes into chocolate from cows. Thank you for that, Lord. And it, this is super weird, but it occurred to me. I was thinking about this this week as I was preparing for this, praying into this. And I thought, you know what? The Lord could have made cows to have crazy teeth like a tiger and to be so wild they couldn't be tamed like a, like a tiger or a wolf. And so that when we went to touch their udders, they would like maul our faces off. But he didn't. Because he knew that we needed to be able to milk those things to get cream and butter so we could make so many good things, including chocolate. So God, I think you made cows with dull, flat teeth to chew grass and be able to be tamed. Thank you for that, Lord. You didn't have to do that. And Lord, thank you for sugar cane. You made a plant that we could extract you made several plants, actually, that we could extract sugar out of. You made bees to make honey, to eat nectar. And then it's like their excrement, really. And, and yet it's sugar. It's amazing. And so, God, I thank you for all these things. I thank you for all these things. Thank you for cows. Thank you for sugar cane. Thank you for cocoa plants. Thank you, Lord for chocolate and everybody who was thankful for chocolate in Jesus name said amen Amen. isn't that interesting when you slow down and savor the flavor a little bit I remember the first time I, I did that illustration and it hit me So often through life, we go, oh, yeah, oh, God, thank you for chocolate, and we just move on. And then we wonder why we struggle with doubt and unbelief. We we wonder why we struggle. Is God really with me? But did you notice what happened when we slowed down enough to savor the flavor? Thank you. Thank you for chocolate, God. You know what? Wow, you made cocoa beans. Thank you for cocoa beans. You made cows. You made sugar cane. You made all this. Oh, here's another one. 
God, thank you for making our taste buds. You didn't have to do that. Thank you for making stuff to taste good. It brings pleasure. Thank you. You didn't have to do that. And the more you thank God, the more aware you become of more things he's done. And the more aware you become of who he is. And the more aware you become of his presence. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You ever go through something difficult and in the moment you're just like, this is horrific. Where is God? Oh, and then you get on the other side of that season and you look back and you see all the things that like I could have died. There there was God. Wow, God, thank you. I I didn't even think you were there. But when I look back and I I I see now that you were there, you were protecting me. Thank you. And you thank him when we express gratitude to God, it makes us more aware of his presence. Now, God is everywhere all at once, and he's always near. The Lord is near. He's always near. Where we struggle with doubt and unbelief, where we struggle with faith, faith means trusting God, confidence in God, where we struggle with that is when we're not aware that he's with us. And so God tells us in scripture, give thanks. And when you go to pray, God, I need this, God, I need this. You can pray faithless prayers. Did you know that? So why scripture says when you pray healing, the prayer offered in what? In faith will make the sick person well. You can pray faithless prayers. God, I need this. Where are you? And I just don't think you're going to do it. How can you let this happen? God, I need this. And you're praying prayers, but you're doubting all the way. That's why he commands us when you pray, do it with thanksgiving. Why? Because thanksgiving will dismantle your doubt and unbelief and make you aware no matter what's going on in your life, he's here and he's near. The Lord is near. And so I'm going to, I'm going to start with prayer by praising you and thanking you. And I'll thank you in advance. You want to pray in faith? Thank him in advance for what he's going to do. And especially when you go to pray something that you know is in alignment with God's will, you are promised by Jesus he will answer prayers in alignment with his will. So when you're praying a prayer you know is in alignment with his will, you can thank him in advance for doing what you're asking him to do. Ask for salvation for family members and friends because first... Timothy 2.4 says, God desires all people are saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's his desire. That's his will. That's what he wants. We have free will. So some people aren't saved or won't be saved. So that scripture is clear about that. But he tells us to ask. And if we ask for friends or family members to be saved, God, I thank you in advance. It's just a matter of time. When you, when you ask for a friend or family member to be saved specifically by name, save them Jesus. Nobody can come to the Father except through Jesus. And nobody can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent him draws them. So salvation is a work of God. So God, I'm asking you to draw them to Jesus and save them. and Open up their heart to believe. I'm asking you for Tim. I'm asking you for Samantha right now, today, Jesus. You know what you just did? You took an hourglass full of sand and you flipped it over. Now, I don't know how many granules are in Samantha's jar or Tim's jar, but that prayer was in alignment with the word of God. It's going to happen. So God, I thank you in advance. I can't wait, Lord. I can't wait for the surprise party you're throwing for Samantha and Tim. And we don't know what's going to happen. And one day we'll be in church and Tim gets saved. And we'll be like, today's the day. Surprise party. Angels in heaven rejoicing. God, I thank you in advance with thanks giving. God wants us to learn how to savor the flavor of life, especially in the good times. So much so that he commands us to thank him with thanksgiving. Read the Psalms, give thanks to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim him salvation day after day. Now is God an egotistical maniac? God is telling us, give thanks to me, give thanks, thank me, thank me. He's, he's doing it all the time. When was the last time you gave somebody, like at Christmas, when you gave people gifts, we were like, Tch. you need to thank me for that. 
Some of you do that little song from, from that Disney movie. You know, what can I say, but you're welcome. You know, like, you don't even wait for people. You're welcome. Here, you need this. You're welcome, right? Is that egotistical for God to command us to thank him for stuff he gives us? When was the last time that you commanded someone to thank you? Well, if you have children under 10 years old, especially if they're about under five years old, it probably was relatively recently. Probably the last time you gave them some food. What do you say? You better thank me for that. Are you an egotistical maniac? Maybe. (laughs) Probably not, though. You're probably a good parent. Why? Even unbelievers do this. What do you say? What are they doing? They're training their children who don't know right from wrong yet how to have grateful hearts. Because they know to to have a grateful heart, go through life with a grateful heart, is way better than to go through life entitled or, if if you're not grateful, you'll, you'll feel entitled or bitter. And God wants us to learn how to always be grateful. And so he commands us, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. And God's like, it's not about me, it's about you. It's about you learning how to see life. In Deuteronomy, it's 8 or 18. God is telling his people, when you get into the promised land, and when you eat and you're satisfied, praise the Lord. Praise me. Give me thanks. And and at the end of that passage, he says, because if you don't, And your heart grows proud. And you start to think that all these good things in life are because you're awesome. That's a problem. Ingratitude will separate you from God. Can we just consider for a minute. The fall of mankind. Genesis 3. Now I know like we're supposed to give thanks in all circumstances. That's good or bad. Right? And so even when life, you've probably heard, even when life's going hard, you know, look for the good, look for the good and give thanks for the good. And that's good advice. But can we all just get a chip off our shoulder today with Adam and Eve? You ever think about going to heaven and be like, what was your problem? You had it perfect. We struggle. It was hard for us to give thanks. They lived in utopia. They lived in perfection. There were no problems. Their job was tending a garden, but it wasn't by the sweat of the brow. It was like an easy job. They didn't have to work the ground. Stuff just grew and bore fruit. They just, work was really hard today. (laughs) They had it perfect. They had a perfect marriage. They had a perfect relationship. They never argued. Wow. And can you imagine how things would be different if when Satan came and tempted Eve, did God really say you couldn't eat from any tree? Which is what he said. Oh no, he didn't say that. He said we just couldn't eat from this one tree. Oh, why is that? Well, we'll die. Oh, you won't die. God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. God's holding out on you. Forbidden fruit, God's holding out on you. God's holding out on you. No, God was protecting you. And can you imagine, scientists now tell us there's thousands and thousands and thousands of plants and trees that are edible. Thousands and thousands and thousands of plants and trees to eat from. One, God says, not that one. It's like poison. You'll die. And can you imagine when he came to tempt and they went, You know, God, I just thank you for all the thousands of trees you've given us to eat from. Do you think if they took a moment to express gratitude, maybe they name them one by one. Did you ever sing that song in church growing up? Count your blessings one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your many blessings. Right? 
We used to sing that song every Sunday night. Sunday night service was when we would share the blessings. We'd sing that song every Sunday night. Hey, it's time to share blessings. Count your blessings one by one. Marchy piano music. Sing the count the blessings song. Then, then people would stand up and testify. You know, I just want to thank God for this week. You know, weird music, but a really good habit. We counted our blessings. You think if they took two or three days to name the few thousand plants and trees that God had given them to eat from, you think that would have been tempting now? Eh, I'm trusting God with this. Let's go eat some apples. Apples get a bad rap. Everybody's like, it was an apple. You know, they took an apple. It's like, how do you know what it was? Gratitude dismantles doubt and unbelief. Gratitude makes us more aware of God's presence. And the more we thank God, the more aware we become, the more we realize, wow, he, we, I should thank him for this now. Oh, I should thank him for, oh, I should thank him for this, for this, for this. That's why Psalm 100 verse 4 says that we enter his gates with what? With thanksgiving. And we enter his courts with praise. The psalmist is using the actual literal temple as a metaphor. There was the temple or tabernacle, either one. There's in the inner room, the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, with two angels on top, the cherubim, and their wings pointed towards each other. And between their wings, God said, I will dwell. What does that mean? I will make my presence manifest in a powerful way, in a literal way. A cloud, would, a cloud about the size of a man's hand. Isn't that interesting? Between the wings of the cherubim, God dwelling among his people. In the Holy of Holies, then you got the holy place, then you've got the outer courts, then you've got the courtyard surrounded by walls and a gate. And the psalmist is saying, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. So when we begin to thank God, it's like the doors on our hearts open up and we begin to draw near to realizing how real and how near he is. That's why praise and worship is powerful. That's why we take time. That's why sometimes as a band, I don't know if the others do this, but I'm going to be honest with you, I do this. If I look out and see you guys aren't engaged, why they keep singing this over and over. Oh, we're waiting on you to sing it with us. So if you want to get it over with, sing. Now that's kind of snarky, but I'm kind of snarky. That's, I know, these ladies, they don't do that. They're just like, Ooh. you hurt their feelings sometimes. Ooh. <laughs> Why aren't they singing with us? But I'm kind of like, oh, keep singing. Yeah, we ain't there yet. We haven't entered in the gates. We have. They haven't. We're not here for us. We're here for you and for him. And so come on, keep singing. We ain't there yet. Come on. We enter, we begin to draw near. Right? Some of you, when we sang that, we sang that song, Let This Be an Upper Room. I mean, we sang that, what, 27 times today? Probably close. Probably close. And after about 12, some of y'all were like, how much longer? My legs are getting tired. But then I said what I said, and then I'm like, let's sing it a few more times. And you're like, oh, yes, let it be an upper room. Because you finally, the hinge on your heart went. You finally entered in. Ah, that's where we are. That's where we want to be. We want to be near him. We want to be in his presence. Not just in church, every day of your life. So develop a thanksgiving habit. Michael Miller was the man preaching a few weeks ago that I heard talk about thanksgiving. And he said, I call thanksgiving the little hinge, because we enter his gates with thanksgiving. And a, a gate is, what is a door? He said a door is basically a wall with a hinge, and it opens up, and it lets you enter in somewhere. 
And then he said, a door, though, without a hinge is a wall. And the Holy Spirit hit me so hard. If you go through life and you have seasons where you feel like God's far, he's distant, you feel like he's not with you, he's not in you. I mean, I know, I know scripture says he is. That's like saying, I know the scientists say I have a heart in me. <laughs> Just don't really feel like it right now. <laughs> well, there's a way you can test other than splicing yourself open. Don't do that, right? There's a way you can test. Do this. Ooh, what's that? There it is. Oh, you know what this is? To see if God's with you? Thanksgiving. God, thank you for chocolate. How do we get chocolate? Oh, oh, mmm. You made the cocoa plant. Thank you for making cocoa plants. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for cows. Thank you for sugar cane. Thank you for taste buds. I'm being reminded, you know, the hair's on my head. Wow. You're here. You're in this place. You're with me. You're for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Keeps you near. Keeps you near to God. Keeps you trusting his heart. Having confidence. So in the good times, church, I'm telling you, we need to learn to savor the flavor. Tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. One of the best ways you can become more aware of gratitude and giving thanks to God is keeping a prayer journal. I heard somebody say this week, man, I need to start writing this stuff down. It was, it was, uh, it was uh, Corey who serves on our worship team. Because she texted me this week and said, you heard that new song, The Dove, by Belonging Company? We should do that in church. I I could see Heather singing that. And I texted her back and said, could you see Heather singing that this Sunday? Ah." Because we already had it planned. And she's like, oh, that's cool. She's like, thanks for saying that, telling me that. Because that really, you know, I I was hearing that and I I was seeing Heather on stage singing this. And I was like, well, she's doing it this Sunday. I was like, look at you, little Miss Prophetic. <laughs> it encouraged her, but then encouraged me. Like, we're hearing God right. Heather texted me that song last week and was like, you heard this one? We should do this at church. And I listened to it. I was like, next Sunday, yeah. And, and Corey said, uh, I was like, why did I tell that story? <laughs> I was like, I lost it. Corey said, I need to start writing this stuff down. I'm like, you do. The first year of our church, somebody gave me the book Circle Maker by Mark Batterson, and he talked about keeping a prayer journal. And I was like, I'm going to do that. It was totally the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad I did. And I, at times, sporadically kept journals in the past, but this, that particular year, every day, every day, filled up a whole journal in less than a year, actually. And I, pr- I prayed about everything, and I, I wrote it down. The littlest prayers I wrote down. It was amazing. What, what was cool is the next year, you know, I developed a habit. I started doing that very often. I still do that. I don't do it every single day now, but I, I still write down prayer. When I feel like something's significant, I'm like, mm-hmm, writing this down. And uh, what was cool is the next year I go back, and I went through. This is something the Holy Spirit let me do, but I went through that journal with a highlighter. And I was like, which of those prayers got answered? And man, it looks like a coloring book now. And I forget why I use different colors that meant different things. But it is, if I showed you that prayer journal now, it's just lit up. He answered all of these prayers in amazing ways. So many prophetic things. People, um, I, I had a dream of someone being on our staff and, and then they had a word about it, and I thought, man, I don't see how that's ever going to happen. We, I don't think we would ever hire that person for this, and we didn't. We hired them for something else like three years later, and it's like, need to go back through that journal again. He's so faithful. But what, my faith got so built when I went back through that journal and just highlighted, and I was like, oh, my gosh. That's what these prayer boards are about. Write it in black. Write a prayer in black. When God, when God answers it, circle it in red. And we've been doing that. There, it's on the back. It's, it's on this side. We're going to get some new prayer boards for this year. Blank slates. Fill them up with black. We'll be circling them in red, and you'll see God's faithfulness. And I challenge you to do that in your personal life. Write it down. 
you will be blown away. Because what I found when I did that too is I prayed so many prayers and I would move on and God would answer them. But I didn't even realize God was answering. I was just like, oh, I hope this works out, you know. And when it would work out, I would be like, oh, I'm so glad that worked out. And I would forget that I asked God to do that. So I wouldn't give him praise for it. I'd be like, oh, it's like luck. That the, oh, that was fortunate. No, that was the Lord answering your prayer. You should probably thank him for that. Thanksgiving's powerful. Thanksgiving has the power to heal your soul at the deepest level. Luke chapter 17, I believe it is. I'm going to check my notes. I don't have time to go through it like I wanted to, but read this on your own. Luke chapter 17, 11 through 17. The story of the 10 lepers, 10 guys had leprosy. Jesus heals all of them. He said, go show yourself to the priest. You were only supposed to show yourself to the priest if you thought you'd already been healed. Did you hear me? If you thought you had already been healed. The original word was given, look at yourself. If you think you've already been healed, go show yourself to the priest. They weren't healed yet. Jesus Christ, God in flesh, with whom all things are possible, said, go. He didn't say, I heal you. He didn't say you're healed. He said, go show yourself to the priest. Act of faith that will demonstrate you believe you will be healed because Jesus said you would be. And they did it. And it says, on the way, they didn't even get there. They were healed. One of them came back to thank Jesus. And he says, I think it's in verse 18. He's in disbelief. He goes, has no one, where are the other nine? Are you kidding me? And it was a Samaritan, a foreigner. In other words, where are the other nine people who go to church when they get healed, when they get what they asked for? Why aren't my people praising me? Why aren't they thanking me? Where, where are the other nine? Those were Israelites. Those are my people, and they, they're not even thanking God. This guy doesn't even go to church. He's not even a believer. He's coming back to thank me. And then he says, your faith has made you well. It says the guy came back to thank him. Jesus said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The word well there is sozo. It means saved, healed, set free, made complete. That's what that word means, all of that. Made whole. Your faith has made you whole. See, he got a deeper healing. The other nine got healed physically and went, cool. They didn't say, thanks God. I was going to say they said, thanks God. No, they didn't. They went, oh, good. On with life. On to the next thing. And all they got was a physical healing. And I'm telling there are people who come up for prayer, for physical healing. Happens all the time. Out in the world, ask for physical healing. We pray, we will pray over anybody. It's not about if you're good enough. It's about God's grace. It's about what we believe. It's about Jesus, Jesus healed everybody. He didn't ask, do you believe me first? No, he just healed them because he loves. It's who he is. He just... There are people that get healed all the time, and then you never see them again. And it makes me sad. Because I think, well, you, you got what you asked for. You got a physical healing. One day you're going to lay this body down again. And there's a greater healing we all need. Salvation's the greatest miracle. He comes back, says, thank you, thank you, thank you for healing me. Thank you, thank you. And he says, rise and go. Your faith has made you whole. You got a complete healing through expressing thanks to Jesus. Gratitude heals your heart of the doubt and mistrust towards God's heart that caused the fall in the first place. Some of y'all, as we're thanking God for chocolate this morning, you might have been thinking, this is trivial. Why are we doing this? There are people starving in Africa. We should be doing something about it. I'm not going to sit here and take time to thank God for chocolate. There's, we should be taking up an offering to feed the people in Africa. It's like, it's like survivor's guilt is what it is. And it's a strategy of the enemy to make you bitter. Because if you can't thank God for the simple things, the simple grace on your life, you participate in what caused the fall. Ingratitude. So can we do something about kids who are starving? Yeah, and we're going to. And you'll be hearing about that in the coming weeks. But we can also sit 
and take some time to savor the flavor and thank God for every single thing in this world and in creation that result in every good and perfect gift. So savor the flavor, church, this year. Thank God for everything. Keep lists. Read Ann Voskamp's book, A Thousand Gifts, and start making lists of thanksgiving. And the more thankful you become, the more aware you'll become, the more joyful you'll become. Did you know joy and gratitude are connected? And it is not joy that begets gratitude. It is gratitude that begets joy. And I believe it's impossible for the truly grateful person to be joyless. So if you feel depressed all the time, we love deliverance prayer. We love that kind of stuff. We'll still do it. But maybe you, maybe you had that and then two weeks later, like, oh, I'm depressed again. Maybe you need to develop a gratitude thanksgiving habit that protects you from those voices that want to weigh you down all the time. Gratitude. But I know sometimes life's not, doesn't taste very good. Sometimes life's bitter. You don't want to savor the flavor. And in those moments, I want to tell you one other way to Eucharist Deo. And it's what I call extract the precious. Extract the precious. So in the good times, man, savor the flavor. Give God praise. Give him thanks for everything. But when life's hard, extract the precious, church. Look at your neighbor and tell him, extract the precious. What do I mean by that? It's a word God gave Jeremiah. It's a word God gave Jeremiah, the prophet. Boy, if you're an Old Testament prophet, if you're any prophet, you don't want to be Jeremiah. He's known as the weeping prophet. He was set apart to be a prophet who would speak God's truth to a nation that would not listen to him. And God told him that in advance. God said, go tell him I'm going to judge this nation. I'm going to allow an enemy to conquer them, take them off to captivity because of their sin. Go tell him. Tell him I love them and if they repent, I will relent and I won't do that. But Jeremiah, they're not going to relent. They're not going to repent. And it's going to happen. And they're going to beat you up. They're going to put you in prison. But I'll preserve your life. But it's going to be hard. How would you like that commission? Some of you get a commission from God. Like, I think God's calling me. But I'm not sure it'll be successful. It's not about if it'll work or be successful. It's about if he's calling you, Jeremiah. Just do it. So Jeremiah was a weeping prophet, and he was tired of losing all the time. He was tired of preaching sermons where nobody got saved. He was tired of preaching and people hating him for it, hating him for it, wanting to kill him for just telling them the truth of who God is. He was getting sick of it, and he got discouraged. And in Jeremiah 15, he said this, Why has my pain been perpetual and my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you, he's talking to God, will you indeed be to me like a deceptive stream with water that is unreliable? It's like God told Elijah to go live off the stream and let the ravens feed you. And then it says the brook dried up. Do you know why the brook dried up? Because Elijah gave a word to the nation that it wasn't going to (laughs) rain. He gave that word and then God's like, now go out because they're going to try to kill you. Go out in the wilderness. Live, Live off the stream. Then the stream dries up because he was obedient. And I'm telling you, if you are following God's calling for your life, you'll get into positions and situations where the stream of your provision dries up. And you will be tempted to think that you've been unfaithful to God or that God's not with you anymore or that he's removing his favor you need a shift in perspective Elijah didn't get discouraged in that moment but Jeremiah got discouraged and was like you're like a brook to me that's failing your river God the river of your spirit is drying up that's what I feel like That's what I feel like. And listen to what God says. Therefore, thus says the Lord, verse 19. If you return, speaking to Jeremiah, if you return, then I will restore you. Before me, you will stand. And listen, listen, listen. And if you extract 
the precious from the worthless, you will be my spokesman. Why is it if you extract the precious, Jeremiah, you'll be my spokesman? Because God goes, yeah, it is hard. There is a lot of worthless situations in your life. There are a lot of brooks drying up, but it's not me. My brook's not drying up. Are you looking for the good in your life, Jeremiah? Are you focusing on what the good is, what God is doing amidst all the bad? Are you thanking him for that? That's extracting the precious from the worthless. It, he's using an analogy of the refining of precious metals. Now, I think we have a picture of that. Do you have the picture of the gold ore? Do you have that in there? Yes. Hey, this is gold ore, meaning somebody found a rock that has gold. This is how gold looks when you find it most of the time. Some of you look at that and go, that, ain't, that doesn't look like gold. Get your wife that for Christmas. Be like, look what I got you. She's like, you need to do something with this first, <laughs> right? That's like, there's a lot of worthless rock in there. Worthless, just raw, just dirt. Some of you are like, that doesn't look like gold. <laughs> Your faith doesn't look much like gold until it goes through the fire. So they'll take these big rocks, they crush them. Mm. Then they burn them. <laughs> they heat them up. And because gold is a soft, precious metal, it melts. Then they can just tip it over and the gold pours out. And it's, that's the first process of refining. The crushing and the fire. But they'll refine gold or silver up to seven times. And after that, first time, you know, every time, the impurities are smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> getting word right now. Ooh, Lord's speaking to me. Some of y'all are like me. You're like, you got it out for me? <laughs> you seen that meme? It's like calling God to make sure I'm on his fun, fun times list instead of the trials and tribulation list this year. I, I've been doing that every year, and every year I get put on the trials and tribulations list. Sorry, that was a little worthless statement. It's not true. <laughs> Oh, there's still a little impurity in there, even a little bit. Heat them back up, put them through the fire again. The impurities, they get smaller and smaller, so they just float to the surface. It's called dross, and they just scoop it off the top. You know in the old days how they could tell when it was done? When the silversmith or the goldsmith could see his reflection in the precious metal. And scripture tells us in Isaiah, I believe it is, God says, I'm refining you like silver. You can look it up. I don't have it. He refines us through afflictions, through trials. Endure hardship as discipline. Yes, endure hardship as refining. Endure hardship as an opportunity to become more pure. Hardship will either ruin you or bless you. Hardship will either define your life or refine your life. And the answer to which it is is whether or not you choose to Eucharisteo in all circumstances. First Thessalonians 5.18. All circumstances. It says give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. But we know, Romans 8.28, that in all things God is working good for those that love him. And are called according to his purpose. In all things, he's working good. He's working all things together for the good. And I don't care how bad something is in your life or what's going on. 
there's always something in that circumstance to thank God for. And it's either there's something good in it or God's going to work some good out of it. And when you start looking at, can you put that picture back up? You know what this is? This gold ore? You know what this is? This is Damar Hamlin getting hit, standing up, and falling over dead. Dead. Heart gone. This is his mom watching that. CPR for nine minutes. Dude's gone. Devil's whispering in those EMTs. Give up, give up, give up. But there's a whole lot of Holy Spirit in a whole lot of those players. So they said, the Buffalo Bills said, let's kneel down. Let's call on the God of heaven. You see these, you know what, this is, this is what happened. This is the worthless situation that happened. But you know what this is right here? This is what I see on social about 30 minutes after it happened. Wow. I didn't know there were so many believers in the NFL. That's awesome. Praise God. They're praying. This is, uh, what is it, up to seven, over seven million now raised for kids, for toys for kids. His fundraiser he threw out there that no one really knew about. And then to honor and to bless the thought of him because of what he's going through. Hey, let's give money to this. Millions of dollars raised for, for kids in need or, or whatever that fundraiser's for. You know what I'm saying? This is like an ESPN anchor going, I don't even know if I'm supposed to do this, but I'm going to pray on national live broadcasts. This is like... What is it? I just saw a picture of another game happening, I think, this Thursday night or this weekend. And it's like both teams kneeling for prayer before the game. And everybody's cool with it. Everybody's cool with it. Everybody's cool with it. Before that happened, we're making fun of Tim Tebow because he, as an individual, kneels down after a touchdown. I don't know if he should do that. Oh, this ain't about expressing your faith. But something horrible happens and all of a sudden, everybody's cool with it. And I think that's awesome. And so I hate what happened to DeMar, but man, look at all the good we can extract and thank God for and praise God for. And so what is your life? Maybe your whole life, you feel like it's this stuff up here. But I'm telling you, there's some gold in there. And it's not my job to get it out. That's your job. And you're meant to look at your life and go, you know what? I was severely abused as a kid. It was horrific. A whole lot of days I cursed God for that. Why did you put me in that family? But then the day I came to faith, I realized, oh my goodness. I have this awareness of pain and trauma and spiritual warfare that a whole lot of Christians don't have because of what I went through. And God has made me a more powerful minister of the gospel because of what I went through. And I didn't realize it, but it was gold. He's turning it into gold. He's turning it into gold. And so I'm going to praise him. I'm going to thank him for it. You got to learn to extract the precious. And so I want to close today by just leading us in a little exercise to do that. And we're setting the stage for this year. You should have gotten some communion as you came in today. We're going to take communion together today. And if the band would go ahead, come on up. (sighs) This rocked me this week as I was studying this. I didn't fully realize this till till I read this this week. I was studying all the places where Jesus Eucharisteoed. And it says in Matthew chapter 26... While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then Jesus took the cup, the wine, and when he had given thanks, it says, and Eucharisteo is the word, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of my sins. I've read that so many times. There's so many sermons that have come out of this passage and out of the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, communion. So many sermons didn't hit me until this week that when, when Jesus gave thanks for the bread and the wine, what was he giving thanks for? Thank you, God, Father, that I'm going to be murdered tomorrow. And he knew it. 
Thank you that they're going to put nails through my hands and feet and even shove a spear in my side to make sure all the blood is out. Thank you. Thank you for my suffering. Thank you. Why? Because he knew there was something precious that was going to come out of that suffering. The cross in and of itself was a worthless act of senseless violence. Unjust. The most unjust act in history to the perfectly innocent son of God. And Jesus thanked the father for it. What was he doing through that act of Eucharisteo? He was extracting the precious. You and me. We are the gold that he wanted to extract from his suffering. So can we just spend the last few minutes together thanking God today for the cross, for Jesus, and for whatever else. Every good and perfect gift in your life. Wow, it's like it would take the rest of our lives to thank him for every good. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's a habit. Let's thank him today. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your body. Jesus, thank you for the blood that absolves us of all sin. (sighs) Thank you for the blood that guarantees heaven. Thank you for the blood that draws us near to you. Thank you for the blood that offers every spiritual blessing in Christ including but not limited to complete and utter peace of mind, joy of heart, hope, hope for life. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Just take a few minutes and just thank Jesus for whatever he's stirring in your heart right now.